We'll be in Romans 14 this evening. Verses 1 to maybe down to 12. The major New Testament theme is sin's ability to destroy our moral and spiritual health. Church discipline and self-discipline are a necessary thing for the health of, of the body. The Lord, the Lord's Supper it helps us remember the sacrifice of Christ and the debt that he paid on our behalf. And it's a reminder to examine ourselves before we partake of the Lord's Supper. Make sure that we don't take it in an unworthy manner. Matthew 18, verses 15 to 17, it says, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, if you've gained your brother, but if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more. By the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses to even hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. So outright sin is not the only thing that's detrimental to the health of the body of the church. It's not the only thing that cripples the church. Problems caused by differences between believers that are not specifically forbidden in the scriptures or commanded in the scriptures become a source of contention sometimes. They're matters of preference. I was speaking with a gentleman this morning. He said that uh, he knew of a church that split because the elders ordered hymnals and didn't run it by the deacons. Um, well, you could look at that and you could say, well, maybe, I don't know the, the circumstance of that church or how they, they do things, but if that were the case and they were supposed to run it by the deacons, maybe the elders should have repented when it was brought to them and said, you know what, maybe we should have ran that by you guys and we're sorry and we, we you know, can we move on from this and, and we appreciate you and we love you. Um, we've been through trials in this church and, and the same thing has happened. Is we, we're sorry, we love you, please forgive us. Can we move forward as brothers and sisters in Christ? I've heard of churches splitting over things such as carpet, music, what, what people wear, what's allowed. Music is, is, is a big thing, you know. Um, when we first started this church, we were, we were pretty, we got into the music and we decided that it needed to be more biblical. It needed to reflect the glory of God and the truth contained in the scriptures, and, and it was about a year-long debate, you know, every Friday morning we would have breakfast and the, the subject of music came up and uh, one of the guys had quoted Paul Washer and he said that Paul Washer said that uh, music, sh you know, we, we're not to pray with vain repetition and, and our music shouldn't have repetition in it. And I disagreed and, you know, he says, you're going to disagree with Paul Washer. And I was like, well, I didn't really know who Paul Washer was at the time, but I was going to disagree with Paul Washer on the basis of that it says vain repetition. It means without meaning, without any kind of reverence. It's just saying it to be saying it. So, and, and, and Jesus was even, when he was saying that, he was talking about prayer. 
and they were comparing music to prayer, which, you know, you could kind of tie that together, I guess. And it's not a far stretch. But we went on and on and on with this debate about music, and I was to the point where I just, I couldn't, I couldn't take it anymore, and I said, we need to move on, guys. It's not, it's not that big of a deal. We didn't lose anybody. The church didn't split. We're all still here. Praise the Lord for that. We were able to come to an agreement. But some churches can't. Some people can't. They hold on so tightly to some conviction that is is true for them, but it's not something that's dogmatic. It's not prescribed in Scripture, either for or against. And Romans 14 is an example of this. And I had been reading this the last few days or studying these issues the last few days and it was a last minute deal for me to be here tonight like I said in the beginning so I just decided that maybe we could all glean from this together and learn and grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ if you all stand with me as we give honor to God's word if you're able we will try to sort through this as best we can this is the inspired infallible word of the living God. Let us receive it. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. Who are you to judge one another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each man be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and gives God thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For this end, Christ died and rose, and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Why do you judge your brother, or why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall confess. To God. Let's pray. Again, merciful Father, illumine your word to our hearts and minds. Let it be manifested in our lives. Let it bring glory and honor to all that we say and do. In the matchless name of Christ, we all pray and all of God's children said. To receive one who is weak in the faith. Proskambano is in the Greek. It's an intensifying verb, making it a command. You will, you are to receive the weaker brother in the faith. It's personal and willing acceptance, no matter what. The weaker brother. Acts 28. Verse 2, and it says, The natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling, because of the cold. And this is the same word here. They received them. 
without question. They didn't, they didn't ask them what particular religion they were or what, where they came from or anything. They received them and ministered to them. Personal and willing acceptance. Romans 15 Verse 7, therefore receive one another just as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Again, the same word received, acceptance. Weak here means feeble in strength, powerless, immature. One who is weak in understanding and still living out their faith. They are, they are faithful Christians. Maybe that have not progressed as far as Others, this is a fact. This is something we all know. You know, Paul refers to babes in Christ that, that are still on the milk and they, they can't handle the meat of the word. These are, these are things that we understand. But don't accept them to, to dispute among doubtful things. There's, don't, don't argue over... It says sincere, but underdeveloped arguments. MacArthur says that. Don't argue over sincere, but underdeveloped arguments. Jesus warns us of the offending the little ones in Matthew 18. And everyone thinks it's about harming children. It means his children. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him for a millstone to be hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. It's pretty heavy, right? Woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. One who causes another Christian to stumble, it would be better for you to drown yourself, is what he's saying. On down... In Matthew here. In 15 to 17 is church discipline. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, we read that. It's fault between him and you alone. If he hears you have gained your brother. Church discipline. Dealing with the sinning brother. Galatians 5. Thirteen to fifteen. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, and do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the law is fulfilled in one word, even this: you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, lest you be consumed by one another. It's pretty powerful words there. Dealing with the sinning brother. Paul here was dealing with blatant sin. This was unacceptable. They were including circumcision as a part of their walk with Christ. It's like, okay, you're a Christian, but you know, you have to follow this part of the law and that part of the law. And you you keep moving on and on until you're a slave to the law and you're not free. We're free in Christ. We have that liberty. Back in Romans. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. This is not an argument to eat meat if you're a vegetarian. Although that joke has been made a million times. The one who has faith can eat all things. 
as Peter was constructed to rise, kill, and eat, and axe, he says, no, no, this is unclean. And the Lord says, what, I, what are you going to say? Well, how are you going to say what I've said is clean is unclean? Eat. You can eat all things. A mature Christian, freedom in Christ, the right to eat. First Timothy. Four. One through three. Now the Spirit expressly says, In latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with, with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, commanding to abstain from foods which God has created, to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. In the latter days, people are going to say, don't do this, don't do that. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that all the time. Some here, as Paul is addressing, we're, we're uncomfortable eating certain foods, foods that may have been sacrificed to idols, many different things, offered to pagan idols um, in some kind of ritual. There's all kinds of things going on back then. And it says, let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Don't hold contempt of the weaker brother in his conviction. If he doesn't want to eat meat, don't say, hey, you're, you're weak. Why don't you eat some meat? You know, it's, there's nothing to it. There's nothing, nothing forbidding you to eat this meat. Matter of fact, you just don't eat meat in front of that person. You abstain from it because he has that conviction. And you're to esteem your brother above yourself. It's damaging to the body for me. You know, the, the subject of alcohol comes up a lot in Christian circles. You know, don't don't drink. You know, you can drink. There's that liberty that Christians can have alcohol. Um, uh, we're not to be drunk. We're not to be um, wine bibbers. And, you know, my brother uh, had a problem with alcohol. And he he started coming to the church, and he was convicted by by drinking. And I said, well, you know, if you have this conviction, you know, maybe you should should calm down or maybe consider quitting. And and his response was, well, why do, why do, none of us should drink alcohol because of my personal conviction. You know, he it, it was, it was laying that out there. Well, then nobody should do it because nothing good comes of it. I know what it does to people. I've seen what it has done to me, and no one should do it. I said, well, you're taking, you know, it a bit too far. Um, you can't ask one person to do something that you're convicted over. Now, I would never drink in front of my brother because he has that issue. I would not cause him to stumble. I would not make him think that it was okay for him to drink because he doesn't think that it's okay for him to drink. Uh, we had a, a, another brother here, and we were having, uh, I think, some wine one night, and, and uh, I refused to do it because I knew this particular person had an issue with alcohol. And I was like, I'm not going to do that in front of him. Um, it was me trying to esteem my brother above my own personal needs. I can take alcohol or leave it. I always have. I could care less about it. So some have these issues and some don't. We don't hold contempt. We don't, we don't make fun of them. We don't mock them. Um, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not beneficial to anyone. We don't become bitter. We don't judge this person. You know, the, the, the stronger may accuse the, the weaker brother of being too legalistic and, and, 
and the, the weaker brother may accuse the, the you know, they'd be self-righteous, the, the, the weaker. And the weaker would, would, um, would, would call the, the stronger brother irresponsible or flippant, like you're, you're abusing your liberty, you're, you're going too far with this. You shouldn't do that because, you know, I have this issue with it. And that's, to an extent, true. We're, we're to, like I said, esteem our brother above ourselves or sisters. But God has expected, accepted both. Like We have the stronger and the weaker. There's always going to be the strong and the weak, no matter where you're at. Anything you do in the whole world, within the church, the strong and the weak are both God's children. And even outside the church, they're, they're image bearers of God, these weaker people. And we're to respect them as such. And even people that are stronger than us, you know, we're not all the strongest in the world. Esteeming your brother above yourself is key. Get back to Romans here. It says, verse 4, Who are you to judge another servant to his own master? He stands or falls. Indeed, he will made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. Both are in need of God's strength, weak or strong. We're both weak in that respect. We all rely on the strength of our Lord. Weak or strong, we both need his strength. It's, it's arrogant on, on both people's part, the, the weak and the strong, to deny acceptance to one another. I'm not going to say if, if my stronger brother is, even if he did mock me, to, to just write him off. I would, I would try to reason with him. In either instance, you can't do that. It's arrogant. And our assessment matters nothing concerning our standing before God. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what I think of anyone in the grand scheme of things. It doesn't matter what anyone thinks of me in the grand scheme of things. Of course, I want to be a good witness. Of course, I want to reflect that light of Christ. I want to, to be a Christian, a little Christ. Is that what that word means? A smaller reflection of his glory. In 1 Corinthians, Paul addresses this. It says, but with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by a human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I know nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will bring bring." to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart, then each one's praise will come from God. Paul says, what's it matter? He himself says, I, I can't think of anything to my account, and it still doesn't matter. It's what, it's what God thinks. He will make those things known. It's what it says. One person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. So one day above another, the weak Jews attached eating certain things to different ceremonies. They would have these, um, you know, it would kind of bring all, like the Old Testament festivals into these certain days. Um, the weaker Gentiles separated themselves from former special days because it was rooted in, in paganism. They didn't want anything to do with that. We have a thing called the Hebrew Roots Movement. We had a couple that went to church here for a few years, off and on. They would 
they rarely came and then you know always an excuse and that's fine but what happened was they got involved in the hebrew roots movement which adds all these rituals and and things to to christianity uh, we were here getting ready uh, one Resurrection Sunday, and he got Josh got a text message, and it was a picture of a, I guess a lamb that had been cooked, and he said the Passover, a Passover meal. This they were celebrating the Passover, and I was like, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't bother to just come and worship, in its simplicity. You had to add all these things, to your, and because it somehow made you more spiritual. See, it was really kind of bizarre to me that you would be involved in something like that when you couldn't do the most basic things of just showing up to worship and and fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ and render God the the praise due his name but then you add all these these things Galatians 5 Paul says, stand there fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you have become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. It's not to say if you've been circumcised that <laughs> your salvation is ill, Ill effect. It's saying that these people surrendered to the, the, they caved to these Judaizers. And I testify every Again, to every man who becomes circumcised, that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For Jesus Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. You ran well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? The persuasion does not come from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in you in the Lord that you have no other mind, but he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? The offense of the cross has ceased. I wish that those who have troubled you would even cut themselves off. If you understand what that means, that means take circumcision to the extreme. If you can't, picture that talk to me afterwards and I will fill you in on the whole circumcision <laughs> that Paul is alluding to in his own mind as in heart or conscience to actively go against your conscience is to sin so if I think something's wrong to do something and I convince myself somehow to do it I have sinned against my own conscience therefore to sin if I convince someone else to do something like eat meat when they only eat vegetables when they think it's a sin to eat meat and they only eat vegetables I have caused them to sin against their own conscience you can't do that whether it is sin or not it's you can't you cannot go against your own conscience it's therefore sin one observes the day the other doesn't both are weak right it's immature both give thanks neither sin is has sinned against his own conscience but both are weak. They're doing these things because they've attached their old ways to Christ somehow. They're not living in the liberty of Christ. 
It's also to impose something we, we think or don't think is sinful on anyone else. It's not right. First Corinthians 10 is similar here. Because all things are lawful for me, but all, th- all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but all th- are not all things edify. Let no one seek his own, but each other's well-being. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no question for, its conscience, for conscience' sake. The earth is the, Lord, is the Lord's and all its fullness. If any of those who do not believe invites you to dinner and, desire, and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no question for conscience' sake. But if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat for the sake of the one who told you and for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's and all its fullness. Conscience, I say, not your own, but that of the other. This is why my liberty judged by another, for why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? But if I partake with thanks, why am I evil spoken of for the food over which I give thanks? So he's saying, eat it. If someone says, hey, before you know, we brought this here, we sacrificed it to some idols, don't eat it. Because either it's a trap to make you eat something that may be deemed sinful, and that's what it is to do that, because for your conscience' sake and for their conscience' sake, don't eat it. You're causing them to stumble by eating that. Believers or not. Always in mind, esteeming your brother above yourself. That is key. Back in Romans, he who observes the day, observes it to the Lord. And he who does not deserve, observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks. And he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and give thanks. For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. So no matter what they're doing, they're giving thanks to the Lord. They're doing their own thing, albeit immature. They're giving thanks. They're praising God in it. They're the weaker brothers. They're doing what they think is right, although in the, in the grand scheme of things, it's irrelevant. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother? And why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, for it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. We are all the Lord's. We're not to show contempt for our brother, whether weak or strong. We're not to point the finger, call someone self-righteous, or call someone flippant, or call someone legalistic or to reason and reason from the scriptures you know 
there's, there's times when there are issues of when something is a tradition, right? And Paul goes over that in 1 Corinthians 11. And he's talking about long hair, short hair, head coverings, non-head coverings. That was a tradition, right? We see in some traditions that women wear veils, men don't. And in the Corinthian church, that was the case. It was a tradition that in, in, in the, the, uh, the head covering in, in 1 Corinthians, the Greek is kata, and it means down from, like as, as down from the head, meaning veil or long hair. So it's saying it is dishonorable for, to man, for a man to pray with his head covered. This was a tradition. This is what separated what you could look at a man and a woman, and you could tell that it was a man or a woman by either a veil or long hair. So he's saying it's dishonoring himself to take on that role. He's, he's coming under the woman. The woman who has short hair or unveiled dishonors her head, right? It's a tradition. So people use that to browbeat people over men having long hair or women having short hair. They also wore mostly robes, and the length of the robe was, was longer or shorter, man or woman. I can't remember which one it was. I would imagine that men wore, or women wore longer robes. I don't remember. But the thing is, it, sometimes traditions do fall in line, and we should observe those traditions. Like, you know, when... When I see the na- when I hear the national anthem come on, I stop what I'm doing. If I have a hat on, I take it off and I put my hand here. That is a tradition that has been instilled in me since I was a kid. If somebody's talking when the national anthem's playing, I don't like it. I don't just go over and browbeat them and say, "Shut up, take your hat off." I just don't like it. You know, it's my personal conviction, but it's a tradition, right? I don't I don't have to force everybody to conform to my idea of what's right and wrong. Same within the church. But we're to esteem our brother above ourselves, the weaker brother. There's also a flip side to this. This is not to be used to make others bend to our will. You can't, you can't say that I'm offended and force everyone to come under what you think is right or wrong. That's also not fair. Balance is key, of course. The weaker brother. Yes, let us reason with the weaker brother. Let us bring him along. Let us love him or her. Let us all reason together from the scriptures that we may all grow, right? That's the point. We're the body. We're all to grow. The head is Christ. Every member of the body is us. You know, we were interviewing a couple for membership. Or I don't know if interviewing is the right word. We were talking to a couple about membership. We always ask what their gifts are. And the lady, she says, well, I consider gifts what you guys do. And I consider that, it's like, no. You're as much a part of the body as anyone that stands in the pulpit or, or cleans the floors or, or anything. Whatever, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's, that's your purpose, to glorify God. You are members of the body. And we started talking to her, and she's an encourager. 
Her gift is encouragement, to love people. And I was like, how is that not one of the greatest gifts? Donna is an encourager. If you have talked to her for four minutes, you will realize that that woman loves everyone and, and encourages you. I have not, she's, I don't think I've ever walked up to her and her not tell me how much she loves me. Just exudes love and encouragement. It's a beautiful thing. And if we do not mature, if we do not grow, if we don't continue to reason from the scriptures as the Bereans, just being in the word and, and continually loving one another, not browbeating each other over, over things. If we don't do that, we're going to cave to the needs of the weaker brother continually. That's all we're going to do. Like, well... Let's run it by whatever. You, know, you don't like this? Well, we can't do that. Um, it's going to be, it'll become a dictatorship. We don't want that. We want to esteem one another. We want to build one, one another up. We want to edify the body. No matter what you do, all to the glory of God. You know, oftentimes the weaker brothers rise to, to leadership in churches and they set rules. You don't drink, you know, the leadership, you don't drink, you don't smoke, don't hang out with those that do. And uh, a long list of things that, you know, the do's and don'ts. We're free in Christ. But if you're free to offend someone, don't do it. Reason with them, bring them along. Don't leave them where they're at. We're all the body. We're all God's children. Not to mock each other. Not to browbeat each other. We're to love one another. Let's pray. Mighty Father, as little children, we come to you. We're all weak in need of your strength. Lord, this has been a trying year for many of us, but your grace is sufficient. Let us esteem one another as you love us. Let us love one another. Let us grow. Let us all love each other. Let us all do it to the glory of you, your son. Let the spirit Fill us to overflowing. Guide us in all things. We love you. In Christ's name we pray. All of God's children said.